Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa. Not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it. Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey guys. Hey everybody. This is Evan. And I'm Carissa. And we are the Lucky 10,000, the podcast that gets you luckier than watching The Force Awakens in front of a crying George Lucas. (laughs) It was very good, by the way. It was. And we will get into that. But first, we want to thank Stitcher and Podbean for having us uh, on. Also, the wonderful networks that have added us to their list of shows, including Musings of a Geek and what was the other one? (laughs) Tangent Bound Podcasts? Yes. Listen to us through there. You can also listen to us through the Bearded Pods Network with the Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast and Teddy and the Baseman. And if you listen to us through the Bearded Pods Network, do what I always ask and also pick a different podcast from each of those networks we just mentioned as a way of supporting the community as a whole. It's a good thing to do. It is absolutely a good thing to do. And I just want to give a quick shout out to myself for the audiobooks I now have on Audible. The First Door, The Adventures of Benjamin Cross, and Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare Game Guide. Look those up. Buy them. I need the money. So, (laughs) Carissa, how are you? I'm actually very well. Christmas is quickly approaching. Yeah, like two days away at this point. Um, I want to actually say thank you to the WikiShuffle podcast. Yeah. They're my favorite other than us. And... Totally unsolicited on their second pre-recorded Christmas time special this week. They said nice things about us. Oh, did they? Yeah, and it got me all like fangirly because I'm just listening in the car like I do. Yeah. And the show was, it was a good show. And at the end, they were talking about other podcasts that they listened to. And Philip, one of the dudes on WikiShuffle was like, and Lucky 10,000, they're awesome. And I was like, oh my God, that's us. (laughs) Oh, cool. I'll have to check them out. You've been telling me to listen to them for a while, and I just haven't gotten around to it. I have so many podcasts on my playlist, um, but especially now that they gave us a shout out, I will definitely listen to them. They're awesome. So thanks, guys. This isn't this isn't just us going, hey, they gave us a shout out. So we like them, quote unquote. You've been telling me about WikiShuffle for months. Yeah, they're it's great. I found out about them through Reddit and I listened to their whole backlog in like two days. Excellent. They're award winning in the UK. Excellent. The UK's top comedy podcast. So we could now say an award winning. We are an award winning podcast by proxy. Uh, An award winning podcast deigned to recognize us, I think, would be the best way to say that. You could look at it that way, too. (laughs) You could definitely look at it that way, too. Well, that's awesome. And thank you guys for doing that. And we are giving you a shout out back. Speaking of shout outs, speaking of Star Wars, I would like to shout out J.J. Abrams. Because I'm sure he listens. Yes, And just of give him a heartfelt thank you. Yeah, let's just get it out of the way. The Force Awakens. Uh, no spoilers. Really We're not going to go spoiler heavy not at all. Not spoiling anything. Like, if you have seen the trailer and any marketing... Yeah, that's, that's what about we'll as much about. as we're what we're going to talk about. So you don't have to but, worry. Yeah. But as we stated last week, we both knew that by the time we recorded this week, we would have both seen The Force Awakens. And I don't know how you felt going into it. I will just say if I could review the movie, I will just put what I put on Facebook after I saw the movie, which was Lucas giveth, Lucas taketh away, JJ giveth back. Um, yeah. There was so much about the movie that... I think I mentioned it when we were talking about Star Wars last time. Up until The Force Awakens, 
The only time I'd ever gotten truly misty-eyed watching Star Wars is when Luke starts wailing on Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi. Right. And I'm telling you right now, there were probably three or four moments throughout the course of The Force Awakens that I either got misty-eyed or at least a tear or two rolled down my cheek. Uh, there were two times when I got a little misty-eyed. One would be spoilery to talk about, but it's at the yes. end. And the second was actually the first time, obviously, because the second time was at the end, was right. as soon as the blue text came up on the screen. Right. Like, that all by itself was enough to just, I don't know, it was very evocative of all of the hopes and dreams that you ever have, you know, going right. to a Star Wars movie in the theater and... It was just strangely a really beautiful moment to be looking at it again. Yeah. And and it's weird because when we talk about the prequels, obviously there was that feeling, too, the first time we all saw The Phantom Menace. Yep. You know, a long time ago, the galaxy far, far away. We're like, yeah. And then really before the first crawl is over, you're kind of like, oh, uh, all right. All right. <laughs> okay. Trade disputes. Right. Sure. Yeah. And this one was like the crawl was perfect. Yes. Like it, it told you you were in the hands of someone who understood, I feel like, what Star Wars is about. It was much more like the, a new hope than it was like yeah. any of and, the and it really set the right tone immediately. I mean, to me, that was such a good sign. Just the first line of that crawl, which we won't say, really catches your attention in not a not a showy, not a war exclamation point, exclamation point, right. exclamation point type way. It was just sort of the perfect beginning to a new Star Wars movie. And again, you know, Abrams's reliance on, for the most part, practical effects, creating worlds, bringing characters back that you want to see, but not in a cheesy, stupid way. It kind of gave something back to us that honestly, and then again, no, no, not an intense amount of hatred on George Lucas. That My opening joke was joking more than anything else, because he did give it to us. And without him, our lives would be much, much less rich. But there was something about the entire movie that made you feel like Abrams understood not just fan service, because there was fan service in the prequels. It just didn't work, but that he knew how to construct a Star Wars movie that we want to see. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it has its problems. I'm not going to review yeah, it because it's too spoilery to do that, but it's not a perfect movie. It's also the first in a trilogy. So you there is the ellipsis at the end. You just there's waiting. We have to wait. Right. And so you know, Citizen Kane is one of the best movies ever made but it's not perfect in fact it has one of the biggest problems that a movie could have is in that in the very beginning he says rosebud to no one so the entire impetus for the story going forward is kind of hard to to grasp because you're like well who heard him say it that somehow it got back to this reporter right but you push that aside because it's just such a great movie otherwise and i would say that this was a great movie um not perfect but i can't remember the last time i've seen a movie where i didn't go oh that one little thing eh. but like we said with the prequels when we look at the good in the prequels and we look at the bad in the prequels does the good outweigh the bad no as far as this movie is concerned i think the good far outweighs the bad i totally agree it's an and i never an got any movie. like douche chill moments watching it either no uh, I never felt awkward or uncomfortable watching it. Z went into it expecting nothing. I don't even know that he saw the trailer. And he kind of only went out of a sense of obligation. Right. Like, eh, it's a Star Wars movie. I guess I'll go. He wasn't right. excited. He didn't really want to be there. I mean, he wanted to see it because it's a Star Wars movie. You have to. But that was really the extent yeah. of it. He expected less than nothing. Right. And Z is really critical when it comes to movies. Mm -hmm. Some of the greatest movies we've ever watched or at least the most entertaining, he'll walk out and be like, eh, I didn't like it or whatever. But he left that theater like, can we go back and see it again? Like right now, we, 
we were at the 1 a.m. show. It was the last show, and it was 4 o'clock in the morning, and he was like, can we watch it again now? <laughs> I would like yeah, to watch he, it again now. Yeah, he's the guy, too, that, like, we've talked about this before, will dislike a movie for plot reasons. Like, that oh, thing yeah. doesn't make any sense. Or why did this person say or do that? And, and it will you know, kill the rest of it for him. And he right. was fine. He, he absolutely loved it. I liked it. I very much enjoyed it. <sighs> My expectations were not high, but right. and I hadn't had anything spoiled for me. So all right. the reveals, or whatever you would call them, were new parts of the plot for me. I wasn't like, yeah, I know this. But while my expectations were not high, by the time I went to see it on Saturday morning, it had been like three days since the first person I knew of who'd seen it had seen it. Right. And everybody was like, oh, it's the best. We've gone back home. Everything is great. Star right. Wars is reborn. And so, of course, my expectations weren't high, but I think my hopes were. Sure. And I have always been, since it was announced anyway, I have been a little bit frustrated because what I think would have made the best next trilogy mm -hmm. was actually a set of novels called The Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn, mm -hmm. which are amazing and mm -hmm. would have made amazing movies. And that's not what got made. And that bugged me. Sure. So in my mind, the movie to meet my lowest expectations had to be better than the prequels, which <laughs> I basically knew that they were or that it was. Yeah. But to be brilliant, to be perfect, to be excellent, to be the best thing that's ever happened to Star Wars since Star Wars, it also had to beat the movies that the Heir to the Empire series could have been. Right. And in my mind, it didn't quite do that. Well, and I'm not the guy that, that dips into the expanded universe very much. I've had some Star Wars comics before. Obviously, the video games that have come out, some of them have touched on some aspects of the expanded universe. Knights of the Old Republic, you know, I played that game. Uh, Force Unleashed, stuff like that. Yep. I've played those games. Uh, Masters of Terrace which was a fight game I had on the mm. PlayStation, which I've seen pop up on a couple of like worst Star Wars games ever lists, by the way, since yeah. then. And I'm like, I disagree because <laughs> I had a great time with that game. But I've never really read any Star Wars novels or anything like that. I knew about certain things, especially the stuff that George Lucas completely wiped out of canon because of, you know, Boba Fett's origin, for example, he completely ignored the expanded universe version of that, yep. which a lot of people were telling me was just awesome. You know, so a lot of things that I just I'm like you. I definitely said, OK, it just can't be worse than the prequels. Yeah. Yes, it has to be better. Like not just can't be worse. It has to be better. And the, the trailers really gave me hope that it would be at that point. Once I said, OK, it's probably going to be better than the prequels. I just wanted it to be good. And that was what I was looking for. And sure. also, like, I kind of I, I t tend to avoid movies on opening weekend because I'm not big on crowds. And it seems like no matter what movie it is, if you're in a packed theater, somebody will do something that will drive you nuts. Yes. So I kind of avoid that, even yes. though I regret that sometimes because I've seen certain movies after they've been out for a couple of weeks. And I'm kind of like, man, this would have been great to be in a theater full of rabid fans seeing it like right at the first opportunity, because those are always the most enthusiastic people, especially like and you and I both know from doing theater. A Friday night audience is always very enthusiastic. A right. Saturday night audience is usually pretty good. Sunday matinees. Mm. Yeah, I saw The Force Awakens on a Saturday afternoon and the theater was still packed and I was with my daughter and Jason, my partner in the Bearded Ones podcast, and the audience 
applauded when the blue letter came up a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And and I always associate this too, and I think we talked about this on the Fandom Menace episode of this podcast, but I got to bring it back up again in reference to this. Since we were apologists for a long time with the prequels, we were the ones who kind of forced everyone else to be enthusiastic about them. Yes. And at the end of the Phantom Menace, when the credit roll started, I remember there was silence for about five seconds in the movie theater until you heard the sound of one person applauding, which was you. And then everybody else in the theater was like, oh, okay, I I guess. Well, clap should be. Yeah, okay, let's let's clap because because it's over. I don't I don't know. (laughs) That did not happen this time. It was like spontaneous applause. The laughs came in the right place. Um, There were definitely some gasps and some group like, ooh, and that's kind of rare for a Saturday matinee of anything. Sure. Granted, the theater was packed, so you're going to get more of that. But it didn't have the energy that a Friday night audience would have. I talked to my friend Todd, who did see it opening night, and said the audience was ridiculous. Now, you know, that's not necessarily a judge. I've said it before. The audience I saw Attack of the Clones with was ridiculous, like hooting and hollering and applauding. They just loved it. But I think that was just the group experience more than this is really sucking me in. But, I mean, I'm telling you – there were people around us talking before the movie started during trailers and everything. And I was just like, "Ugh, don't ruin this for me. And then as soon as the movie started, it was silent, except for the moments that the movie allowed you to react. Sure. And that is always a good sign. So just based on that, I have to say, you know, as far as a movie that did its job for an audience, it did it very well. Also, you know, the pressure that that movie had on top of it, because not just are you following the Star Wars trilogy without its original creator, but you're having to wipe some of the dust off everyone's opinion, get some of the rust off of the bitter, bitter betrayal we all felt after the prequels. And that's not an easy thing to do. No. Not just that, but just return us to that feeling of sort of the magic and the wonder that the original trilogy had, which I feel like this movie succeeded on all levels. Again, there were certain characters that I could have done without. There were certain moments that I was just like, meh. But again, I never got that feeling. I never got that Jar Jar Binks saying Piusa after an animal farts in his direction. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that completely. So anyway, because if we try to talk about it anymore, we're going to start getting too specific. So go see it. If you haven't, if you have, go see it again. (laughs) I get the feeling I liked it maybe slightly more than you did, but we both really, really enjoyed it. Oh, it was fantastic. Really go see it. It's it's good. If you just want a simple, like, quantifiable thing, I'm going to assume, I'm going to say for Carissa as well, two thumbs way up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Something funny happened about The Force Awakens, actually. Oh, okay. Not super spoilery, unless you haven't. If you have literally not seen anything about The Force Awakens, yeah. but still somehow care about The Force Awakens, this might be spoilery. But if you've seen any mm-hmm. marketing, it's not. So Neil deGrasse Tyson debunked a whole bunch of The yeah, Force Awakens on that. Twitter the other day. It was completely ridiculous. Yeah. For one, well, I love Star Neil deGrasse Wars. Tyson. I assume he was doing it jokingly. He wasn't. Oh, really? No. Because he did the same thing with Gravity. And a lot of people were like, oh, fuck you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. But I'm like, okay, Gravity... Yeah, regardless because, whether or not any any I heard him on a talk show where he was like, I enjoyed gravity very much. It was entertaining, but I just felt like there were little things I had to go. Yeah, that wouldn't happen. Yeah. And as an astrophysicist, he would know. Right. However, what he is commenting on from The Force Awakens is not astrophysics. So one of the first things that he tweets about is how BB-8, the little ball droid, couldn't possibly have been rolling on sand. He would have just like 
sprinted <laughs> off in one direction. That yeah. couldn't happen. Uh, well, look here. That was a practical effect. It was an actual right. spheroid remote-controlled robot. Right. They built and a working BB-8. actually does that. So how is that right. not possible? Not only is it possible, it's actual. So right. how about go fuck yourself? <laughs> I mean, it was just, it irritated the shit out of me. I'm like, you're an amazing astrophysicist. And you have to know a lot about science to be an amazing astrophysicist. So it's not yes. like this is technically outside your area of expertise. But if you are calling something impossible that actually happened, I mean, practical physical reality is not technically your area of specialty. Right. Well, and also like when... <sighs> I didn't read the whole article. I just saw the title of it and I was like, oh, he's just being silly. But, you know, again, it's kind of okay for me for him to criticize moments in a movie like Gravity because that is a movie where it talks about space travel with the technology we have on this world today, right now. And if they get some of that wrong, then I think he can justifiably go, well, okay, that wouldn't happen. Right. But also, it's like to say that a, a, a droid, even if he weren't a practical effect, let's just say mm -hmm. the whole basis of Star Wars is that is a, it is a fantasy. Right. It is also in another galaxy. Yeah, it is not. Who's meant... to say they haven't found technology that we have never discovered or thought possible or figured out ways of doing things? You never watch a Star Wars movie and go, could that happen? Well, because they have ships exploding with sound in space. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, right away, you know. that kind of stuff has always bugged me as well. And there were further tweets that are specifically more spoilery, so I'm not going to talk about them, that were perfectly fine for him to comment on because they make sense and explain stuff. That's great. But seriously, like you don't even know that BB-8 is a practical effect that was actually built that actually did the thing you're saying it couldn't do. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And it makes you look... I don't know, bitter or dumb, which you're clearly not. And it was just very off-putting for the whole conversation because that's how it started. Like this thing that totally happened absolutely couldn't happen. Right. Well, well and who knows? I mean, I don't know. I, I try not to, not to take that kind of stuff too seriously. But at the same time, it's like, I get it. I think his, his tact is probably, look, this is fine, but just know that it's fantasy and this couldn't happen, blah, 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 blah. But that's also the other thing is I don't know that anyone is watching Star Wars going and anyone that has any common sense. Like if I take my kid to see Star Wars and she goes, oh, that's awesome. That would be that would be so cool for it to happen like that. And I'm like, OK, well, this is a fantasy. It wouldn't really happen like that. You know? right. I mean, anybody with any common sense could say that. I think there are certain there are certain times where getting real nitpicky about the actual science and physics that goes into popcorn entertainment is kind of getting a little ridiculous. Because everyone going to see popcorn entertainment yeah. knows that it's popcorn entertainment. Right. It's totally cool to get specific about things like Gravity or 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like those things that are supposed to take place in the near to real world right. or the space around the near to real world and are supposedly based on near to real world science should be relatively right. scientifically accurate. Like I'm totally about that because those kind of things will trip me up. Sure. But I'm watching Star Wars. Right. Like when I go to watch, say, Pacific Rim, I right. do not bitch about the science because the what? I mean, who gives a shit? It's giant robots punching giant aliens. I don't care. Right. I don't care what your science is. <laughs> it's like when I go to see my, one of my favorite movie critics, Mark Kermode, which I don't know if I've talked about him on this podcast before, mm -hmm. but unfor very unfortunate last name for a movie reviewer. But 
you know, he is very fond of science fiction, fantasy and horror, and he loves time travel movies. And his favorite thing about time travel movies is in almost every time travel movie, when you start to get into the specifics of how it works, there's always that one character is going to be like, you know what, let's just not worry about that. And he was reviewing Looper recently, which I really enjoyed Looper. In order to have the popcorn entertainment of the time travel manipulation, you have to sort of either address certain things and try and make it make sense or just acknowledge with the audience that if we want to really get into actual science about this, let's just not. Yeah. And there is a scene where uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character asks Bruce Willis's character how this all works. And Bruce Willis's character is like, you know, I could go on and on and on about it, but let's just not bother. You know, it's like, yeah, that's kind of what you, you go with going into those kind of movies. It's suspension of disbelief. Yeah, it works because it's a movie and we say it works. Right. And that's okay for a lot of movies. That's a perfectly fine way to do that. Plot holes like that in a movie only stick out to you when the rest of the movie is not good enough to compensate for it. Like if I find myself bitching about something that doesn't make sense to me in a movie, that must mean the rest of the movie was not good enough to hold my attention. Or it's so internally inconsistent or specifically wrong. They're breaking their own rules. Yes. They establish something and then fuck it up. And then fuck it up. Then it will totally hang me up, kind of no matter how good the movie is. But if it just kind of doesn't matter whatever i'm just gonna go with it i mean i've said it before live in the world and enjoy the movie that you're seeing and that's fine yes so that was a nerd rage moment from this week (laughs) well and that's kind of what this episode is going to be uh we were talking about what we wanted it to be about and we've never really done this where we just kind of cover a bunch of different stuff yeah so that's what we're gonna do we're gonna potluck potpourri christmas stocking the hell out of this episode there you go so moving on to the next thing Speaking of movies, yeah, and you know, full disclosure, we talked about this before, but I think it's actually, and we had to take it out of the episode, but I actually think it's better to talk about it now that we have seen The Force Awakens, because in my showing of The Force Awakens, they had the trailer for, the full trailer for the new World of Warcraft movie coming out. Yeah. And we had discussed this before because you'd seen the teaser, and I hadn't, and you and your household are way more into WoW than I am. I will say that seeing it on the big screen didn't help my reservations any. Because the one thing that I took out of it is that the the CG characters look way too CG to me. Uh, granted, they're orcs and they're, you know, creatures that only slightly resemble human beings. Right. So you can't. But mm, I remember watching that trailer going, oh, they've had a long time to do this. Because uh, especially when the CG creatures are going to end up being so integral to the plot. Well, it's not just like a one scene where you're talking to a CG creature and then you can move on to something else. The whole plot is based around these creatures and the humans coming together, or at least that's what it seems like. As a as a quick note, just yeah. so that anyone listening doesn't nerd rage on us technically, this is not the World of Warcraft movie. This is Warcraft. Right. It right, is right, based right. on Warcraft, the original game. The role playing, yeah. Though the trailer makes it seem that they have taken some liberties with the plot of the first game, Mm -hmm. it's largely that story. Right. And I actually learned that aside from the motion capture for the characters who are not human, like the orcs, for example, Mm -hmm. and the stuff that literally does not exist, basically everything else was a practical set. I could tell that, and that's I'm all for that. I, I, I love that because, you know, if the prequels taught us one thing and a lot of movies since then have taught us, it works best when you actually bother to put people in situations where they can actually see what the fuck is going on. I think that the the motion capture stuff, because Warcraft doesn't have the budget of, say, the Avengers. Sure. So while they're using basically the same technology that turns Mark Ruffalo into the Hulk. Right. You know, the budget for 
the full suite of tech and the artists to use that tech is less. <laughs> so Sure. No, I, are, I, I got that, yeah. But I still think, I did not see it on the big screen yet, but I did watch the full trailer after it was, or not after, when they played it at the opening for BlizzCon, which was just a couple days mm -hmm. after that episode where we talked about the teaser trailer. I am still cautiously optimistic. I don't disagree with you that the CG stuff is clearly CG, but honestly, I don't really expect my orcs to look real, like really sure. real, but some of that may also be because I did play some Warcraft, so I'm used to those characters looking slightly animated because they're animated. Sure. So it doesn't right, it's exactly. not really a cognitive dissonance for me. It doesn't disconnect me because they're actually usually much more cartoony than that. So the fact that they look even kind of real life is a huge jump up in artistic integrity. Well, and I'm not that. passionate about Warcraft. So this is definitely one of those things. I will definitely see the movie. I have no qualms with that. And, you know, I'm sure at some point when characters are first introduced, I'll go, oh, it looks a little too CGI, and then I'll get over it. So I'm not saying that's going to make it a bad movie. But you guys, but even with stuff that I am passionate about and I could admit flaws, it's easier for me to get over those flaws. Right. So I'm sure that it's it, it doesn't look like it's going to be bad by any stretch of the imagination. We've all been fooled before. Yeah, I but... think for me personally, at least, I think it's going to come down to how true to the not necessarily the specifics of the story, but the spirit of the right. story they stick. Because if they are planning to make this Warcraft and then Warcraft 2 and then Warcraft 3 and then the Frozen Throne and then World of Warcraft, like if they want to draw the whole thing out. Right. Into an eternal I'm series sure of that movies. They do because everything has to be a franchise these days. They need to stick at least somewhat closely because the further you get, the more exponentially far away you get, the further down you go. So right. if they want to continue with the series, they need to stick pretty closely, at least in spirit, to the kind of nitpicky details of the story. And artistic license is a thing, and that's fine, but it's really going to depend for me on how much license gets taken. Now, right. the director is a huge Warcraft fanboy. That's a good thing. It is probably a good thing. But there is the slight, what if he's that kind of fanboy who thinks he knows better? And because now he has control over how this movie is made, he can make the story what he wanted the story to be as opposed right. to what it was. And there's nothing that tells me he did or did not do that. Right. So I am cautiously optimistic, having been well, burned by video game movies in the past. Oh my God, yes. I am cautious because that's a thing that can happen and has happened before. It's amazing to me that we have yet to get a great video game movie because you would think it would be reasonably easy to at least transfer story from video game to screen because the video games already got the story. You don't have to come up with anything. You have to tweak it. Sure. And as we've said before, I think we were talking about the Marvel movies. You know, a lot of people will get very stuck on very small things that filmmakers change in right. mythology of the comic books. And that has never bothered me nearly as much as simply just getting the spirit of the character right. Yeah. You know, when Sam Raimi changed Spider-Man from the web spinners to it actually being a part of his biology, I actually kind of liked that because that got away from the whole trope of, oh, no, my web spinners are out of fluid, which happens all the time in the comics. It's and it a was a minor change. But yeah, it was a shortcut. It was a minor change that to me still meant you could tell Sam Raimi loved Spider-Man, especially right. in the first two movies. And he got the spirit of the character and the world that he inhabits correct. Totally. That's the 
only thing that I have reservations about with this whole DC movie universe is that they seem to make want to make everything dark and gritty. And I'm like, that just is ignoring the spirit of some of these characters. You don't have to get all the mythology exactly right. I finally started watching the Flash TV show and I love it, but it doesn't get all the mythology right from the comics. But it brings enough into the comics to let you know that the people writing it know and love the comics, but it also just gets the overall spirit of it correct. Sure. And that's mainly what we want to see. So I think it's better to have movies like that in the hands of fanboys. It can go awry, yes, but at least you've got a better chance of someone who understands what the spirit of whatever they're making the movie about. Yeah. And that's always a positive in my book. And fanboys need more work. Plus, it has Clancy Brown in it, playing a relatively major character. Yeah. And do you know who Clancy Brown is? No. I know that you do, actually. He's of like a whole huge IMDb page list of other things. He's the Kurgan from Highlander. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's I know exactly who you're talking about. Everything, but that's maybe his... He's in The Flash, too. Yeah. He's... And the voice of Mr. Krabs. Yes. SpongeBob. He is indeed. And the voice of many other things in almost everything you've ever seen or played. the best villain the Highlander movie's ever had. Yeah. I take that like, back. He was the best villain yeah. the Highlander movie's ever had. And so he's in it, and that's amazing to me. I, I mean, he's great. No, he's he's great. really, really good. And so that's fantastic. Is he playing... Is he the motion capture guy for one of the orcs? Yes, he is one of the orcs. Oh, cool. And... The cast, when they brought half the cast or whatever onto the, or the main cast onto the stage at BlizzCon, which was Blizzard's big company convention a mm-hmm. couple months ago, mm-hmm. whenever that was, they had the director there who was all like nervous and fanboy I was like, I'm talking to people at BlizzCon and I made a movie about Warcraft and that's awesome, which was pretty cute. But they had some of the cast out. They didn't talk to them or anything. They were just there for the convention. Sure. But uh, Daniel Wu, who plays one of the antagonists, one of the orc antagonists of the film, came out on stage and uh, just like looked at the audience, kind of went, holy shit, whipped out his phone and took a picture, like a panoramic picture yeah. of the audience like, dude, check this shit out. Because <laughs> that's the other thing is like pe- people get cast all the time in geek roles when they know nothing about yeah. that world. And that's fine. I don't know how much Robert Downey Jr. knew about Iron Man before he got cast as Tony Stark. It didn't matter because of like, the perfect casting. Right. He's an actor. He gets a role. Then he does the research. Then he does the performance. Right. So if they p- cast people that really have no connection to the geek world, that doesn't bother me. I know some people that it does. But I'm like, you know, that to me is more of a risk, actually. Yeah, totally. I'm like, uh, just cast an actor who can act. Right. <laughs> but what I always love is seeing them in interviews after they go to their first con. Yes. And they're all just like, oh, my God, that was the most amazing thing ever. Because they get all that fan geek passion and love thrown at them before they've even come out with the movie. Yeah. And they're just not – if you're a stage actor, you are used to applause at the end of a performance. Sure. Laughs during the performance maybe, a gasp here or there, sometimes applause in the middle of a show at a particular moment. But it's almost never like this rock star thing. Yeah. You know, there are plenty of people who now are fully ingrained with the characters that they portray that didn't give a shit about it before. That now are just like, I love doing this because of the fans. Because you could do a great job in a drama and people will acknowledge it and come up to you on the street and be like, oh my god, you were amazing in that thing. Right. 
but you will never get the kind of passionate dedication you will if you get a geek role and knock it out of the park. Yeah, totally. Oh, absolutely. If you earn a nerd's devotion, you have it for life. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, we we will give you a second chance, too, if you're doing if we think you're doing right by what we love. Yeah. Look at Ryan Reynolds. Totally. It wasn't his fault that Deadpool was so fucked up in the first Wolverine movie, but he unfortunately had to be the bearer of that. And then to do the Green Lantern, which most people despise. Yeah. But now it looks like he gives a shit about what he's doing, about the character and the footage that we've seen so far from Deadpool is maybe the most perfect comic book to screen footage I've seen in a movie. Pretty impressive, just trailer wise. It's I'm really looking forward to that, actually. Yeah, and so now people are like, oh, "I love you, Ryan Reynolds," because you don't want to fuck up Deadpool again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you just got to get it right somehow. The spirit of it, the character of it, the the plot, whatever. We will deal with small quibbles and, and changes and, and differences, but just get it right. Yep. And you know, maybe they did. People involved with it have sounded pretty optimistic. I am cautiously optimistic still. I'm definitely going to see it when it comes out in June. But you know, basically that's the Warcraft movie that we know about right. so far. I am definitely going to see it at some point. I might not see it necessarily in the theater. Certainly not like the first week because I'm not that enthusiastic about Warcraft. But I do like like that kind of thing and i will definitely see it at some point and base my judgment there and like i say if i still think the cg is a little too not present as much as i want it to be <laughs> that's something i can get over and mainly it's because like you said everything else is very practical like we bitched about the cg in the prequels a lot but that's because there's so much of it yeah because there are you know no spoilers here but there are some cg based characters in force awakens just yeah. aren't that many and they work i think for the most part but it is also because you can forgive that because the rest of it is so practical. Right. So, yeah, I'm totally uh, looking forward to that. Uh, speaking of moving on to the potpourri, and we'll say one more thing about movies and Star Wars in general. On the most recent episode of not only this podcast, but because Star Wars Mania is at its fever pitch right now, on the Bearded Ones podcast, uh, my partner on that show, Jason, uh, was going through the prequel trilogy to get ready for the force awakens and he was really suffering by the way if you listen yeah, to that episode I did. Tell, he's just like Ugh. but we were talking you and i were talking about that yesterday and we've a lot of people including us have made jokes about newt gunray and all those aliens that are obviously i don't care what george lucas says inspired by the voice acting anyway it sounds very asian well i was and, surprised that you didn't know this little fact well, this is with. amazing to me and actually hurts my heart a little bit because there's been a lot of accusations of casual racism in the Star Wars movies, especially the prequels, especially with things like Jar Jar and things like those cowardly Asian aliens who yeah. he actually went to the to the length of giving one of them these little eyeglass things that are slant eyed, yeah. <laughs> which I was appalled by. But you told me something yesterday that makes it even if you could get worse than simply casting Asian actors as cowardly aliens, somehow Lucas managed to do it. Yeah, because when you guys were talking about it, you said something about having Asians do the acting right. for that. And I had to point out, and I'm going to sadly inform our listeners if they don't already know this, that's not at all, not at all what happened. What happened was they had the... I believe he's an American, but an English-speaking actor in the motion capture getup for Newt Gunray. And he read his lines, and then George Lucas took his reading of those lines to some Thai people from Thailand, some Thai voice actors, I guess, and right. had them phonetically reread 
the English-speaking actors' lines in their dialect, then took those Thai dialect lines back to the English-speaking actor and had him phonetically alter his reading of the lines to mimic their dialected accent. Which is insane. Yeah, it's appalling, honestly. Because there's not a single one you see in the course of these movies that comes across as anything but sniveling, cowardly, wimpy, weak, just annoying, awful characters. And for some reason... And the basis of an alien language or an alien dialect, which you can do anything with. I don't know that Klingon was based on anything in our world in our time presently, but people have really latched onto it because the language suits the aliens that they're supposed to be spoken by. Sure. So he wouldn't even he wouldn't even cast Asian actors to just to do read this it in Asian whatever their dialect, dialect was that he wanted. Right. And it it seems like you know. <laughs> There's this great, I don't know, have you seen Aziz Ansari's show on Netflix yet? Master of None? Yeah. I'm four, three or four episodes in. Okay, I haven't started watching it yet, but because there's just too much to watch. TV is just too good right now in general. But there's a moment I in every single trailer for that show that always makes me chuckle when he's talking to his friend about the social network. And they're both Indian. And he's talking about a white guy they cast to play an Indian. And his friend goes, well, I heard he was 116th Indian. And as he says, he goes, I'm probably 116th black. You think they're going to let me play Blade? <laughs> and that is so... Indicative of the way Hollywood looks at things now. You know, they just came out with a Moses movie starring Christian Bale. To me, that is not even the worst. It's the new, and I don't even remember what it's called, the Egyptian Egyptian Gods movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where all but one, all but one of the characters are white. Right. And I don't mean like kind of white. I mean like fucking, it's fucking Gerard Butler. When I think Egyptian, I think Gerard Butler. Dude, come on. I'm not super politically correct or whatever. I'm just, I hate that term, but it kind of fits, I suppose. Yeah. But A, I don't find any reason to avoid putting people of color in a film if there's no reason for that exclusion. Like, right. no re actual reason for that exclusion. But I definitely find it horrific when they're like, hey, let's take this movie about Egypt and cast a bunch of fucking white people. Yeah. How, what? No, no, no. Like, I kind of get why you would. It's almost as stupid. It's actually just as stupid. But I kind of get why you would take a Moses movie and put a white guy in the lead role because you're selling to a largely Judeo-Christian audience who is used to, you know, perfectly white bread Jesus. Well, and also like it or not, people are under the impression. And I don't think I don't know that Hollywood actors hold as much sway over audiences as they used to. Like for me, when I go see a trailer. If the movie looks interesting, I'll go and see it. There are only a, there are very few actors that will make me want to see that movie more. But there is still that mindset that you need a cast of or at least a, a lead actor or actress who is successful, tested well with audiences that people like. And Christian Bale, like him or not, has been in some very – and I love Christian Bale, by the way – has been in some very successful movies. And so they look at him as a bankable Hollywood actor. So, OK, maybe put him in the lead role. I get that. But then the rest of the cast is very white bread as well. And it's the same problem with this Egyptian movie. OK, Gerard Butler. OK, maybe because he is a bankable Hollywood star. But then cast around him people that should be there at least. I think that part of my problem with that is that it's not even based on like real mythology. No. It's just a completely fictional story that's taking these characters right. from that region and general time period. So 
if you were just going to kind of make up some mythological shit to have a movie about and you wanted to cast a bunch of fucking white people, make it about right. Celtic gods or Norse right. gods and cast your white people and have your mythology movie. If you want to make a movie about Egyptian gods, make a movie with people who look like they might have, I don't know, ever had their lineage near Egypt. Yeah. And the other part is like... <sighs> Regardless of who's in it and regardless of what the cast's nationality is, it didn't make me want to see that movie any more or less. I really don't have much of an interest in seeing that movie, period. And that has nothing to do with the casting or anything else. It just didn't look that interesting to me. See, like the top, the subject matter totally does interest me. I would love to see a movie about some sort of whatever the movie's about, God, mythology, war thing. I love that stuff. Not that I think this movie is going to be particularly literary. But I was going to say, I, I don't like, think they're going to, based on that trailer, I don't know that they're going for accuracy. I, well, they're, I mean, they just made up some shit, so there's nothing to be accurate about but i like nods to lit just to literature in general whether it be sure. mythological literature or just fictional historical literature whatever i like that stuff it interests me in general i'm not seeing this movie i'm not right it's it's i don't know it i'm not easily offended and i am certainly not personally affected by the way that they chose to cast the movie it offends me that they would do that and that goes back to the whole reason this little bit of a tangent that we're on started it's like so you're going to have aliens in your movie that are cowardly and for no particular reason sound Asian. And then you're not – now, granted, it, it was probably a double-edged sword for any Asian actors that might get cast in those parts because the Asian people would probably have hated them for doing it. <laughs> but at the very least, to get an English-speaking an English actor and then go through all that rigmarole just to get him to sound Asian when you could have just – cast asian actors it's the worst kind of casual racism because it's, it's not casual it's yeah. pretty deliberate it's pretty deliberate and i don't know what he was th i've never looked at george lucas as a prejudicial person i don't know if it was just because he bases so many of his movies on serials where that kind of political correctness was not even thought about i mean indiana jones you know, there's not a single good German in those movies. There's not a single good Russian, but you kind of accept it because those were the, the, the tone of the serials that they were based on. Right. And so, you know, you get Star Wars, which is based on Flash Gordon, very clear cut good versus evil. But still, yeah, it, that's just going an extra mile to be offensive. And I will say I was surprised that you didn't know that. But when I went I to find the source for my information so that I could show you that I wasn't just making that shit up. It actually took a while. Like, it was kind of hard to find the source for that. So it's not like it's super common information, even though no. the, uh, hey, the prequels were super racist stuff is very right. easy to find. But all usually that focus is more on the Gungans than anything else. Yes, the Gungans and Watto, typically. Yes. Oh, yeah. Watto. Ooh. So I was actually, it was hard to find. So apparently, I don't know how I initially learned that information, but I've known it for since forever ago. And I just thought that everybody knew that's how that happened. No, so, I guarantee I mean, you most people don't. So that today we're kind of the unlucky 10,000 in that I got <laughs> to tell you something you didn't know that I thought everybody knew, but luckily it's horrible. We'll find out that racism exists in your childhood heroes. Yeah. Not that so, Gunray was anyone's childhood hero. Ah, but Lucas, yeah. at one point, was all our childhood heroes. Of course, you know, Disney is a lot of people's childhood heroes still. And, That's yeah, true. And some issues with the Jews, you might say. Yeah. So, anyway, the not-so-casual racism. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to lighter fare, more yes. fun things, yeah. shall we say. What you got for me, Carissa? Oh, 
oh, I got a couple fun things I can I can give to you. We have the what happens when you replace the word wand with the word wang in the Harry Potter series. Awesome. So you get really good stuff like Harry took the wang. He felt a sudden warmth in his fingers. He raised the wang <laughs> above his head, brought it swishing down through the dusty air and a stream of red and gold sparks shot from the end like a firework, throwing dancing spots of light onto the walls. I'm, 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 I'm still not sure what's unusual about that. <laughs> One of my It's favorites. a very patriotic wang. Let's put it that way. Both Sirius and Snape lowered their wangs. The unexpected entrance of so many witnesses seems to have brought them to their senses. <laughs> but what's going on? Asked Mr. Weasley. Nothing, Arthur, said Sirius, who was breathing heavily as though he had just run a long distance. <laughs> he and all the other Weasleys froze on the threshold, gazing at the scene in front of them, which was also suspended in mid-action. Both Sirius and Snape looking toward the door with their wangs pointed into each other's faces and Harry immobile between them. If they can get them both pointing toward each other's faces, <laughs> that's impressive, especially if they're both standing. Harry's wang was vibrating as though an electric charge was surging through it. His hand seized up around it. He couldn't have released it if he'd wanted to. He was watching Bound. Uh, so that's actually a funny thing to do is just go through Harry Potter and replace wand with wang. Yeah, just don't forget about that when you're reading it to your children before they go to sleep as a, <laughs> as a bedtime story. Make no. sure to go back and, and put it back right again. Yeah, definitely. So that always actually makes me giggle. And somebody has gone through somewhere. I didn't spend any time looking for it, but somebody has actually just kind of taken every single line with the word wand in it and put it up on the Internet change to either wang or dick i don't remember which of one they, they used did. and still more sensible than all the written dialogue in 50 more 50 shades of gray uh, oh god that makes me angry yep it should but there's uh, some other fun stuff you have yeah so on the bearded ones jason yes. inadvertently stole my idea yeah because by the way we're the first people to ever have this idea well i mean for you to be a part of it <laughs> yes a couple of episodes ago, Jason emailed me before we were sitting down to record the bearded ones and told and gave me a list. He did Mad Libs, basically. But what he did was he sent me the list of the word types he wanted. Obviously not le not letting me know the story because that would ruin the game. But his, his was a little bit different than what we're going to do. But he told me to make them all Star Trek related. So I sent him back a bunch of words from the Star Trek universe to fill in the blanks in his stories. And then he read Star Wars Mad Libs with Star Trek words inserted into them. And that actually led to something that might end up being a recurring bit on the show was Emperor Palpatine's audio diary, which we've already <laughs> actually recorded one and put it up. And I'll probably do some more. But what we didn't know until I sat back down with you after you listened to that episode was that you had thought about doing almost the exact same thing. Yep. So I'm gonna. So screw it. Screw him. We're ripping ourselves off. I'm ripping myself off. Yeah. Basically. Uh, so the Star Wars Mad Libs that Jason was using is actually a Star Wars Mad Libs book, just like yes. all the other Mad Libs books. And I happen to have it as well and have. And the thing that made me time. laugh, too. I mean, the reason that we kind of got Palpatine's audio diary out of it is because one of the Mad Libs he wrote was like a Palpatine treatise on the dark side, as if in his spare time, he just sat down to say, I wonder what people think of the dark side. Yeah. 
I have to talk about it. The dark side is blah, 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 blah. And it just seemed like so silly and so out of character for him to do. It reminded me, and I meant to bring this up on the Bearded Ones. I'll never forget this. Years ago, I was in a grocery store around the time that the uh, re-releases of the original trilogy were coming out. And they had they had novelizations of them. And one of the funniest things I think I've ever read in my life was who whoever did these novelizations, I don't think had any connection with Lucasfilm or Star Wars or writing. Okay. Because they decided that in the climactic battle between Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, that they would give us Vader's inner monologue as he was watching Luke run around Cloud City looking for him. Oh, because there were these great moments where Vader attacks Luke and then just disappears. Yeah. And Luke has to go searching for him. And you never it, it really was the closest Darth Vader ever became to a true like horror movie character, because in those beautiful scenes, you know, Luke is going all over the place looking for him. And you would think it would be difficult for Darth Vader to hide, but he's just that cool. There are times where he just comes out of the darkness. Right. So, you know, he's been watching Luke search for him the whole time, probably clouding his mind with his dark side abilities. I don't know. One thing I've never wondered was what was Vader thinking while yeah. he was doing all this. Yeah. And I wish I could remember it word for word. I may have to look it up online. I remember reading that section of the book and really chuckling because whoever was writing it just went the most like mustache twisty stereotypical old school villain things they could think of where it's like as vader watched luke he thought to himself here he is caught in my trap like a rat (laughs) 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 you know just the most ridiculous silly things and i'm not getting it exactly right i know i'm not so if you're listening listen you wrote those books first why and secondly i'm sorry i got your awful dialogue wrong but like no one ever needed to know what his inner monologue was and especially when you find out his inner monologue was something that silly yeah like i i'm going to get him (laughs) (laughs) that's really bad oh it's it was the worst but anyway we have our own mad libs we're about to do yeah so i'm gonna do a couple and the words that i asked for we just we didn't go Star Trek because, well, that was funny. It's also nerd rage inducing. Sure. So I just went with like general geeky gaming sorts of. Oh, yeah, that was the whole words. thing. Jason was totally fucking me over with that because I had no idea that they were Star Wars Mad Libs that he was doing. Yeah. He was just really trying to get under my skin. So like you were talking about Darth Captain Kirk or something. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Really bad. Which okay. I'd kind of like to see a Darth Captain Kirk. So what we're going to do is the world according to Yoda. Okay, cool. Now, uh, and you had asked me to sort of give you words, just gave me a couple of options, and I gave you uh, just anything that, that really sparked me in the like gaming geek genre. Yeah. Yeah. Which will become slightly more apparent as we go. Yes. My console is the Force, and an awkward ally it is. Life creates it. Red ring of death it gives me. Makes it jump. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Chubby beings we are. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty accurate, actually. The Cheeto-encrusted side clouds everything. (laughs) Impossible to transport, the future is. (laughs) Well, he's not wrong. No, when you you got the chubby Cheeto-encrusted side, you can't even get them off of their recliner. Exactly. The fear of loss is an MMORPG to the dark side. (laughs) Have you played Fear of Loss? Excellent it is. Attachment leads to jealousy. The master chief of greed, that is. (laughs) Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to shoot. (laughs) Train yourself to let go of everything everything you fear to shoot. (laughs) Man, I don't want to shoot this womp rat. Let it go, man. 
Just let it go. Fear is the path to the armored side. Fear leads to <laughs> anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to Kirbying. Yeah, he seems like a really adorable little character, but he, he eats things and then spits them out at other things. He's totally an agent of the dark side. Force choke or force choke not. There is no scream. <laughs> a Jedi's enterprise flows from the force. But beware, anger, fear, aggression, the Mulderish side they are. Once you start down the dark Mario Kart, forever will it dominate your utility belt. That's the one that Wario drives. Mm. A Jedi must have the deepest batarang, <laughs> the most bloody mind. <laughs> A Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and cosplayers never for attack. <laughs> Luke, use the force to take off that Wonder Woman's suit over there. <laughs> Clear your robotic hand of questions. You must unlearn what you have time traveled. So that was the world according to Yoda. Yay. Love it. Would you like to know how to become a Jedi Knight? Because I had you do that one, too. I would I would love to know how to become a Jedi Knight. I imagine that it's kind of confusing. Uh, it might be. Yeah. So let's try. Want to be a Jedi Triffid? Yeah. Follow these psychotic steps. <laughs> One, find a Jedi Master. In order to become a jumpy Jedi, a young Padawan or Jedi apprentice needs to learn from someone who has pathetically mastered his or her training. <laughs> Which is kind of the story of all the prequels, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Perhaps Master Mario is available. <laughs> it's a me! It's a me! <laughs> Two, study the ways of the Force. It takes a lot of mask-covered patience <laughs> and belief in the stormtroopers around you. What is the difference you? mask-covered patience and normal patience? Do you have more patience when you have a mask on? Uh, probably, or you can at least disguise better that you don't. Yeah. It takes a lot of mask-covered patience and belief in the stormtroopers around you, but a <laughs> Padawan must understand the Force before he or she can really practice the ways of the Jedi Creeper. Well, that's also accurate. <laughs> it really is, because they get into your house and they blow it up. I mean, they have all these great powers. I've always thought Creepers might be a little bit in tune with the Force. Yeah, possibly. Oh, this one actually worked out really well. Three, make your own light zombie. <laughs> Find special zombies to place <laughs> your lightsabers <laughs> Romero. Oh my god, he's got a double-sided light zombie. <laughs> 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 then commune with the Force to make it eat flesh. <laughs> you used eat flesh as a verb. And why not? Well, because that's two words and flesh isn't a verb. I don't care. But whatever, you're commuting with the force to make your light zombie eat flesh, so I'm good with it. It's perfect. Listen ploddingly. Mm, that is exactly what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yes. Finally, and most quickly, do, do as the older and wiser Jedi Transformers tell you, <laughs> even if they want you to ninja attack trollingly. <laughs> ninja trolls, move out. <laughs> oh, zombie saver, or light zombies. I think I just created a new subgenre of Star Wars that we need to see. I want to see. Like a fan fiction crossover? Zombies. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's where they're all coming from because they just never seem to end in any zombie movie. That's true. It's not people that are dying and coming back into life. It's Sith. Or Jedi in this case. Or Jedi. So, you know what? Fuck this world. <laughs> and then they ninja attack you trollingly. Yes. 
anything that has to do with trolls needs to be eradicated. But once they're ninja trolls, ugh. Except for the guy that did all those Facebook things uh, where he was pretending to be like the Doritos company and the Campbell's Soup company. He can stay. Have you uh, seen any of Ken M? No. Oh, you should Google him. Ken M. He's right up your alley. I will do that. Well, I think that's pretty much all we've got yeah. for this episode. And I think ending on the Mad Libs is actually a really good way to do it. Because it's it's a light note. Because we actually talked about some serious shit. So, Carissa, if anybody else wants to get in touch with us and maybe even give us a suggestion for what we should talk about in the future, uh, how would they do that? Best way would be either Twitter at Lucky underscore 10K or through Gmail at Lucky 10,000. All spelled out, Lucky 10,000 at Gmail. Excellent. So do that. Also, don't forget, we're on iTunes and Stitcher. You give us a five-star rating and a review. We will read the review on the air, regardless of what you say. Uh, We also actually got an email from the Nerdcore group 2D6. Sweet. And they have a new album out. They sent us a review copy, which was super nice of them to do. Yeah, that was really awesome. And so I, I got the review copy like I'm a real reviewer or something, like my opinion matters. But whatever, I listened to it. It was actually for a band I'd never heard of, which I thought right. impossible. <laughs> right. They were super good, like really quite high quality. And they've got a track featuring Mega Ran, who's another nerdcore rapper that I just failed to talk about, even though he's great. Awesome. Really, 2D6, like, you know, you'd roll 2D6. The album is called Goatsy for My Dad, which is hilarious. <laughs> awesome. And their production quality is top-notch. It's really very professional. And one of them, I don't know which one it is because I just learned about this band like a week ago. One of them sounds a little bit like Jesse Dangerously, who's a Canadian nerdcore rapper. But in my opinion, awesome. better. Like, I, I liked this 2D6 guy way more. Just Oh, cool. Just orally. Just his sound was top-notch. They're really, really good. I so like a can... lot of people orally. Let's just yeah, be honest. I'm, I'm sure that you do. I would absolutely check them out if you can find them. I have this review copy that was free that they sent me, so I don't really know how to go about advising that you find their stuff, but you should. You should go looking for it. Really great. Well, you know what? Hey, 2D6, if you're listening to this, uh, let us know the best way to tell people how to get to your stuff and hear your stuff, and we will definitely come back to it again in a, in a later episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would love to be able to tell people how to get to more of your work and I would love to get to more. And that is the number two, the letter D and the number six. Nothing spelled out. It is 2D6. 2D6. Excellent. Well, that's awesome. And thank you guys for doing that. And if you're listening to this and you want us to have listen or or give something that you that you've poured your creativity into a shot, send it to us. I mean, we're not going to be the people that will shit all over your stuff, by the way. If it's not up our alley, if we don't feel like we can recommend it, we're not going to just go on the podcast and be like, this fucking sucks. (laughs) I think we should take the tact of, you know, still a shout out maybe, but not, you know, a glowing review. We're not going to be dishonest, but we also don't want to tear people down who are trying to start on their creative journeys. If it's just not for us, it's just not for us. That's kind of one thing that we're we're about is like, this is what whatever we're passionate about that's what we talk about so if it's not yeah. for us that doesn't mean that someone else isn't one of the lucky 10,000 to find your shit exactly even if we don't particularly like it we're not going to shit all over it we're not going to make you embarrassed to have sent it to us it's worth it just to have other people hear about your stuff yeah we're not we're not critics <laughs> It's not our job. I love. I actually did laugh out loud when it was like, "Hey, if you'd like the, a copy of our of our album, here's a reviewer's copy for free." Like, I have an opinion. It's that pretty matters. amazing. I mean, right? it's like I didn't. 
why did I earn this? I did not earn this at all. I mean, maybe we should it, start but... a fucking Lucky 10,000 blog where we actually do review things. But keep in mind, we're not trained critics and there is an art form to being a good critic. Yeah, it's not just uh, like bitching at shit you didn't like or. Yeah, it's how not awesome just like 90 percent of YouTube critics out there that are just like, I didn't like it. It sucked. Yeah, which is well, basically all like I would it? do. <laughs> Because I don't know how to. Yeah, but if it's something we know about and if it's something that and and again, we're going to stray away from doing anything like I don't like, especially for since we're not professional paid critics, I wouldn't like to shit all over something that it just wasn't for me. I would rather talk about stuff that we really like. So if you send us something and we like it, we like it. We'll definitely talk about it for sure. Sure. Anyway, based on that, Tuesday six. Keep doing it. You're, you guys are apparently doing a great job. I have not heard your album yet, so I'm basing this solely on Carissa's opinion. But she knows Nerdcore, and I kind of don't. So I will take her opinion. And those of you listening should as well. And go out and check out 2D6. Hell yeah. Until next time. And the next time we speak, Christmas will have passed. So Merry Christmas to you, Carissa. Merry Christmas, everybody Evan. else out there. Yep. Thank you. And I hope you got lucky tonight. Good night, nerds. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.